0: What would you ask a 28-year-old administrator who's been an administrator since he was 21 years old? That's what today's episode is about with Joe Mason. It's a joy to talk with him about culture when he gets geeked out on policies and procedures. We even talk about what it was like to fire his very first employee. I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care. long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Welcome back to LTC Heroes. Today, I'm honored to be joined on the show with Joe Mason. He's the administrator at Prairie Manor. Although a native of Iowa, Joe graduated from the University of South Dakota with a bachelor's business and health administration degree. He successfully ran a skilled nursing facility and assisted living in South Dakota for two years before finding his way to Prairie Manor in January of 2018. Now, Joe is unique in that he might be the youngest person that I've had on the podcast by 10, if not 12, 14 years. So if you have questions about long-term care and what it's like to be a young leader, you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Joe, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: Joe, we're going to jump all over. You know that I'm interested in your perspective as being a young leader. And before I go into kind of the three questions that I like to get to know you quickly, how old are you?
1: I am 28 years old. I believe I was offered my first administration position at 21.
0: Wow. And how old were you when you thought that you wanted to work in long-term care? 19. All right. So let's dive into the questions. The first one being, what viable or actionable advice do you believe that we'll chat about that might be helpful for someone else in our industry?
1: I think regulation is always a hot topic about long-term care. We get regulation from so many different areas, whether that's CMS, CDC, Department of Health, Department of Human Services, and regulation is always a hot topic.
0: All right. What is one lesser known book, newsletter, or industry resource that you would send me to to understand long-term care?
1: The first one's not necessarily lesser known, but leading age for our area especially is a huge resource for me. They give me newsletters weekly, sometimes more than that. On a not-so-long-term care-related topic, TED Talks. I love TED Talks. I always listen to TED Talks, and they help me become a better leader. I agree with TED Talks.
0: Name one mentor that has influenced the way that you deliver care in
1: our industry. So a gentleman by the name of Chad Stroshine. I have to give a shout-out to. He is the leader of Caring Professionals. He's the one who gave me my first job at 21 years old. He had that faith in me and confidence in me. He runs many facilities in South Dakota. And if you are in long-term care in South Dakota, you probably know the name, Chad Shoshine or Caring Professionals. Wonderful guy, a part of the health association in South Dakota as well. So a big shout out to him.
0: I'm sure Chad taught you 10, 15, 20 different things about leadership. What one stands out today off the cuff?
1: confidence confidence he he was a man of faith and i am as well and he just taught me to embrace that faith in my professional life as well as my personal life i had it in my personal life but i did not have the confidence and faith in my professional career and he just helped bust open those doors to make me a confident leader that's great to hear great inspiration to hear about chad so i think the the elephant in the room
0: is, what is it like being 28 years old and running a facility in an industry where I'm guessing the average age for an administrator is probably 45, if not 50 years old?
1: I would say that I don't notice a difference because for the most part, people are really nice and they're not going to say to your face something mean about your age. They might you know, casually throw it in a conversation like, oh, you look young or how old are you? But they're not going to be too forceful about it. Behind closed doors, you know, they might have some comments or opinions that I don't know about. I think once they get to know me and hear that I do have some experience, uh, you know, five years as an administrator already, I think that kind of proves that I'm able to handle myself in this environment. I would also like to think that it helps me connect to the younger people. I have a lot of young CNAs, for instance, and I do have topics with them about music or concerts, uh, whatever. And I would like to think it helps me relate to them. With that being said, going on in their head could be a completely different thing. They could just be, you know, screaming boss, 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 and not actually connecting with me as much as I think they are. I'm going to take a stab at this, but even though you mentioned
0: confidence as being the skill that most resonates when you think of your mentor Chad you you might not have had that confidence at the beginning myself having dealt with a little bit of imposter syndrome intimidated when everyone seems to know more than me or i might be the youngest person in the room did you have that day 1 even year 1 even year 2 when you started
1: yes and it does get better with time but i think i'll i'll be 50 and still come in the building sometimes and see my name on that office door as administrator and think to myself, do I belong here? Like, am, am I really in charge? That's, that feeling will never go away. It does get less and less, but I don't think it will ever go away. You know, there's a saying, fake it till you make it. All of us have some doubts and insecurities. And once again, I'll probably be 50 and still every now and then think, do I belong here? You you really do have to fake it till you make it sometimes. Confidence is important. I like that because I have a sense
0: that freshness or I guess freshness, freshness to use an optimistic term or insecurity to use a more neutral or realistic term probably keeps us on our toes and keeps us good on top of our game.
1: Would you agree or am I putting words in your mouth? I would agree with that because... If you have no insecurities at all, you become arrogant, you become complacent, you don't strive to be better. So I would never want that feeling to completely go away. I I, I like, in a way, questioning if I belong there or not. It does keep me on my toes. How how did you
0: end up in long-term care? You said you started to think about it at 19. I'm guessing that there are less than 100 19-year-olds right now in college that are thinking, I want to be an administrator in a nursing home. What was going through your mind? How did, you,
1: how did you get here? So ever since I was little, with the exception of those boy dreams, like being a paleontologist or being an astronaut, I knew I wanted a briefcase. I knew I wanted that office job. I wanted to wear a suit. So I knew I was going to go into business. I didn't know specifically what field. So I just started out at a tech school, earning my associates, and that's where I found a passion for personal health and fitness, really got into weightlifting, running, and I thought, how can I combine this? I knew being like a personal trainer wouldn't give me that suit and tie. So I thought, well, maybe I could just run a health facility, uh, run a clinic, run a hospital. And hospital was my first choice, but my mother was working in a nursing home as long as I've lived with her as a dietary aide or an activity person. And I never really thought about it until I was offered the job, to be honest. And then I had all those flashbacks of being in the nursing home with my mom as a kid. And I thought, you know what? that That was a good feeling. I think I will be okay with that. And it definitely wasn't settling. I think in hindsight, it was the greatest decision I ever made in my life besides marrying my wife. And I'm so glad I did it.
0: That's really cool, and I want to dissect several different parts of that. Let's start with uh, why do you think it's the best decision in your life?
1: I don't think many people have the opportunity to get offered an administrative position before they've even graduated college. I didn't even have my degree. I still hadn't taken my finals, and I was offered the job from Chad. You you can't turn that down. It was such a blessing and so unique. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say about that.
0: Do you think you were ready? Do you think Chad saw something special in you? Do you think Chad got lucky? Do you think that you
1: weren't ready and you grew into it and now you are? I think when you're such a good mentor and teacher, as long as you see something in someone that is going to allow you to shape them, then that's really all you need. And I guess he saw that and then was able to shape me from there.
0: What area do you believe that you had to grow the
1: most? Where did he need to shape you quickly? I'm an introvert. Always have been, always will be. You can't really change that. And he had to force me to have those tough conversations. He forced me to talk to people and to be more transparent. And when you started to
0: think about it, when you first got the job offer, what were the memories that you went back to as a kid that made you realize, yeah, this this is the way I want to go?
1: There were some people in my mother's facilities that I'll just absolutely never forget. One was a couple that always had that candy dish, you know, like grandma and grandpa's do. And I could sit in their room and eat candy and talk to them forever. Another guy, I don't know what it was, but he... Would not stop laughing, he had a condition where he just constantly laughed to a point where he'd just fall back on his bed laughing, and seeing just how amazing these people were and their stories they've been around so much longer than I have, I thought, you know what? these people are amazing, and they they need the help. they need uh, leaders to help run these facilities to give them great care. I thought that would be such an honor for me to give back to them because they helped shape me so much since I was a kid.
0: What did your mom say when you told her you were going to accept the job in long-term care?
1: I think she was very happy. She saw the struggles that nursing homes face. So I'm sure she was a little weary that now I'm going to be the guy in that hot seat that all the employees might be mad at or that has to fix all those problems. But just like I was saying a second ago, I, I think she also knew that I could be the one to, I guess, reap the glory of making a facility better as well. And she knew I was up for the task.
0: How have you changed? Let's see, you've been, you've been in the industry for seven years. How have you changed, I would say, as a person, as a leader? How has care changed even in those seven years?
1: I think the word culture doesn't stop being more and more uh, relevant. It's always pushing more towards resident-centered care and um, a stronger culture to make it a home-like environment for them. And even in my short years in the field, I've I've seen that push from getting rid of bibs in the dining room to allowing them to choose the paint color in their rooms. So culture and resident-centered care is so huge, allowing them to be a part of their care plan and having a say in their care conferences that's huge. And, and you see it all the time.
0: I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a listener who's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm 40. I have a 16 year old son or 16 year old daughter, and I want them to listen to this podcast because Joe's inspiring. What advice would you have for that 16 year old who's thinking about falling in their mom's steps?
1: Well, I don't know that I followed in my mom's steps exactly. She wasn't an administrator by any means. But what I would say to those younger people, just based on my experience and my personality, is don't be afraid to have those tough conversations. Don't let being an introvert hold you back. If you think that you'll be able to lead, then go for it because you will grow confidence eventually. (laughs) It took me a long time. I remember sitting in the office as a brand new administrator, scared to make a phone call, literally scared to make a phone call. It took me minutes to convince myself to pick up the phone and call this stranger because I needed a signature or I needed to connect with them. You will get there. It takes time. But first, you need to find what you're passionate about. I knew it was business and health for me. If you find what you're passionate about, The confidence will come. It will take time, but it will come. I love
0: that example. And I'm going to ask you if you have any other that you can remember. I can remember my first job out of college being afraid to ask someone how the photocopy worked.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, with the phone example, I think a lot of young people can relate because we don't use phones to talk. (laughs) We use phones to Snapchat or Twitter or text. So calling is like scary. And it took a long time to get over that. I never really felt bad asking questions, though. I don't know why, even being an introvert, I was fine with asking questions. Uh, What does PRN mean? What does this mean? And you don't learn without asking questions. And I'm sure it lost me some credibility asking constant questions because some of my employees might have thought, well, this guy doesn't know anything. But eventually I was able to prove myself. I know this might be. A hard
0: question to answer because you come off as uh, modest, humble, obviously more introverted. Are there certain things that you think you bring to the job that that are an attribute because
1: of your age? I think technology is the obvious answer. There, I love technology. I'm confident with technology. We have an IT company, and we have maintenance people, both of which help greatly with technology. But there are constant times where people will say, "Joe, can you come help me with my email?" or, or "Joe, I can't get this to print." And they'll come with uh, they'll come with more technology questions to me than more uh, drama and administrative questions. So I think they know that I'm good with technology and like technology. And maybe it's just because of my age that they're comfortable asking me, or maybe I've just proven that I, I'm good with it. But technology is huge with the younger generations.
0: What's the hardest part about your job outside of COVID for you? And it can be, it could be your particular facility. It can be your age. It can be your personality. It can be the culture that you have at your company. What, what, what's going on right now that you're like, oh, man, I don't know how to
1: do this. It's people. It's always people. It doesn't matter what the job is. I I love people, even as an introvert. You need people to have a business run. You need them to provide the services. You need them to provide the care. But people are also what starts fires. People are what causes drama and complaints. And it's dealing with people that will allow you to become a good leader. You need to know how to do that and that's, that's always the issue. I mean, I, I could say generic things like, oh, regulations are tough or state surveys are a pain, but uh, it's, it's dealing with people. How old were you the first time you had to let someone go? Probably 21 or 22. How did it go? Usually they cry. I, I, I know that sounds bad. It, it happens more times than you would think, to be honest. It really does. And I think people should know that. You're, you're dealing with someone's livelihood. You're dealing with their paycheck. You're dealing with their status in the community, the way people perceive them. And they're leaving a lot of people behind. They've grown relationships with their coworkers and residents. And I always have that in the back of my head when I'm doing it to make sure I do it as tactfully and professionally as possible and explain it, our, our reasoning for doing Determination, but it's never pretty. It's almost never pretty. The reason I ask you this is
0: because a lot of times I hear from from you know minty younger folk asking, "How do I find a mentor? How do I ask them advice? What can I learn from them?" And I think the best advice comes from someone who's just recently had a problem or just recently accomplished something. So asking a 60-year-old of how to fire someone might not be the same as asking a 28-year-old because you're, you're learning and, it, and it's fresher. Have, have you let someone go differently than you did seven years ago when you first started out? How it changed for you?
1: I think one thing that's different from what I did at the beginning versus now is I have a lot more compassion now. If that makes any sense. And I and I can explain. In the beginning, I was so introverted and so scared that I I wanted it to be as short as possible. I wanted to get them in and get them out because I was it was so terrifying for me. I didn't want them to be mad at me or hit me or <laughs> something like that. So I just like said it and like pushed them out. While now I'm much more comfortable talking to people so I can say it much more compassionately. And I'm willing to sit there and be kind of a counselor or a therapist. And that's something a lot of people don't realize about people in upper management. Because we have to act as therapists a lot. I've had people just break down about stuff that's going on in their personal life, with their home life. And it's similar when I'm terminating someone. I have to console them because now they have to go home and tell their spouse. They have to go home and tell their kids. And I need to help them work through that so that they can be productive and move on to their next thing in life.
0: Appreciate you being vulnerable about the way you handled it at the beginning. I'm embarrassed by the way that I I let the first person go and, and my company, and I was, I think I was 30 or 31, and I was a complete coward. And I'm definitely not gonna share it on this podcast. So thank you for you did. Talk to me about culture. You've mentioned the word a couple times. You mentioned the first time we chatted on the phone. Is is it important to you? And also, I guess, as a broad term that we use in every industry, what does it mean for you?
1: So when I was going to school, it was very much by the book that I was looking at things. I was very type A introverted. It was almost cookbook type stuff. And I never really thought about it being their home for the longest time. Finally, a teacher in one of my classes said the phrase, the resident has the right to fall. And that resonated with me for the rest of my career, and I'll never forget it. It was so hard for me to swallow that sentence. I fought her on it, and I was like, that just isn't right. That isn't true. That isn't the way we should operate. Because I was looking at it as a business and I'm like, falling is bad. It will come back on us and it will hurt us. We can't allow it. And I, I finally was able to swallow that huge pill and realize that, wait, this is their home and they are a human being and we can't restrain them. We can't drug them up to accomplish what we want to do. I know that's an obvious statement, but for a very young person, 18, 19 years old, who just wants to be a business guy with a suit and tie, you don't always think about that, especially when you're, you've you never been in it. So now when I have to make any decision that could even remotely affect the resident, I think about that phrase, the resident has the right to fall. So how is this going to affect them? Is it going to make their culture more home-like? Is it going to allow them to have more autonomy? And that phrase is just so important to me. So.
0: The first aspect of the culture, it sounds like the first thing that comes to your mind is resonant culture. Do you embrace or do you do you work with culture with your staff in a different way or very
1: similar? So with staff, culture is definitely different. It's work, it's a job. This isn't someplace that they live. We know that a lot of them, are simply after a paycheck and that's just life, that's any business anywhere. So culture's different there. As upper management trying to make staff culture better, you just want to remind them that you want their job to be more than a paycheck and you want them to be happy at their job. So little tokens of appreciation go a long way allowing them to have a employee council, buying them some sort of treat or or doing uh, certain events really go a long way in showing them that, hey, I don't want you to just come here and think of this as a paycheck. We need to grow a culture where we're happy here and more of a team, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it does. Have you ever worked in an, an environment with poor culture? Resident My, or staff wise?
1: For sure. There have been instances where I've come into work and you can cut the tension with a knife. I mean, you can cut the tension with a knife. You wanna just go in your office and lock the door cause you're scared pretty much. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying where fires with people are always gonna pop up and you need to put them out ASAP. And once the fires are at a manageable level, that's when you start doing the things to create a better culture, team building, or, or like I said, uh, certain events or acknowledgements to the staff. One of the things that
0: you mentioned the first time we chatted was I'd asked you what's one thing that you wanted to improve upon and that you were constantly doing. And I think that it ties in a little bit with your, your you being introverted. It had to do with being more present and not just present. Mind wise, because I think that you are very present. Uh, you talk physical presence. Can can you speak to that a bit?
1: Yeah, I just talked about how sometimes when the culture is not where you want it, when there's a lot of fires, when you can cut the tension with a knife, you just want to go in your office and lock the door. And a facility in any industry needs a present leader, not just in the building but visible, because. We really contribute to culture just by being visible. Them knowing that there's a a confident, present leader does go a long way. And as an introvert, I would sit in my office a lot. And I had to come up with a method to get myself out there, not just for the staff, but the residents appreciate it. The family members of the residents appreciate it. And my method was, well, I know for a fact, I'm going to have to get out of my office to use the restroom. I know for a fact, I'm going to have to get out of my office to get a drink. So I'm going to use those things as methods to be more present. So when I would go use the restroom or go get a drink, I would then force myself to go down a hall afterwards or to at least talk to somebody before I went back to my office. And that was a method to make sure that I'm building communication. I'm building uh, relationships that I'm letting people know I'm here and I care, that I'm watching. And yeah, it goes a long way.
0: What's your favorite part of the job? If, you know, on a Monday through Friday, if you had to pick a two-hour span in the week that you're like, man, that is just awesome. I'd work for free those two hours. What does is, what is that look like for you?
1: So one thing I love, and it's kind of nerdy, is I love making policies and procedures. I really do. I think it's so cool because it's not always subjective. It's, it's an area of my life and of my work where I know what A, B, and C is going to be, and there's no arguing it. And I can be confident and comfortable in saying, this is the right way because I have regulation to back it up. And that's really fun for me. I love writing. It allows me to be alone, so it kind of caters to my introvert side. But policies and procedures are really fun on a more interpersonal communication-related way, I, I like the break room. I do, because it's an area where I can ask people about their families. You know, how's your husband doing? How's your kids doing? And I can learn something about them that I wouldn't normally know. But I guess just talking in general, anywhere does that. It doesn't have to be the break room. I guess in the break room, I don't get a chance to talk to the residents who have these amazing stories so just talking to people in general is really fun, even being an introvert. I want to go raise...
0: back to the policies and procedures. That's the first time I've heard this answer. <laughs> and you're right that it is, it is nerdy, but it's fantastic. Where <laughs> th- Were you born with this skill set? Did you develop it? Talk to me about how you got good at this, because a lot of times people hire, and this is a skill set that they have to train, and they can't find someone easily to do this well.
1: Oh, for sure. When I first came to the facility I'm at, we were hiring somebody to write our plan of corrections for our surveys. I thought, really? That that's a thing? Like, why can't the administrator do it? And, and I'm not throwing shade at the previous administrator by any means, but I, I that's just the way I was taught since I was 21 years old. Chad had taught me how to write plan of corrections. And some of its personality, like my my brother and my father are similar we love statistics. We love information, family trees, charts, writing. My dad's writing a book right now. So a lot of it is personality, but I was also cultivated. And like I just said, Chad taught me how to do planet corrections. So I, I love writing. I'm probably one of the only 28 year olds with a will <laughs> and with my advanced directives already done. You know, wow. I like writing short stories and making things in writing because it's, it gives you some control over your life. It makes you feel fulfilled and safer, I guess.
0: Is there any nuance that you bring to your job? One, not only because you're young and maybe you haven't gotten complacent yet, or two, based on your personality that you you believe you have a large impact on, maybe it's in the scale of either operations or clinical, or finance is kind of the, those three areas are kind of what you need in the facility as administrator. What nuance, I guess, does your framework or paradigm bring to one of those aspects?
1: You're kind of asking me what I think is my greatest strength, almost. Yeah, that's a lot better stated. I I don't know that's better stated. I was just kind of making sure we're, we're on the same page. I would say decisiveness when someone asks me a question i am fine with giving a black and white direct answer and i'll always have something to back it up so people want a confident leader they want answers even if they think they're doing it right a lot of times they'll run it through you just so the blame isn't on them just so they have the that backup so to speak so when you're a leader in any industry, in any building, you need to be confident and decisive. And I do bring that despite being a young person and despite being an introvert. I am able to quickly say yes or no, this or that, and have something, anything to back it up.
0: You seem to be a person who's goal-oriented. You already have your will. You, I know that you are a sports buff. And love fitness. I'm sure you have great grades. What do you look forward to four years from now? I know that means you're only 32, but where do you, you want to go? Can you imagine yourself in long term care forever? And what, what's your next challenge? Are you weak in operations and you want to do that? Are you weak in clinical and that's your next
1: goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a professional level, my next goal is to find out a way to grow grow the facility i mean grow the company because we are a small town rural facility and especially with covid census has dropped just even without covid if you look at national averages i've seen the trends i've seen the statistics it's going down there's more home health people are living longer there's a, a lot of assisted livings that have popped up so nursing home is no longer your retirement home. It's almost hospital level care. And it seems like less and less people are going to nursing homes. They are also incredibly expensive. So it's hard to grow when your census is dropping. And especially once again, giving, given that we're a rural, small town, it makes it really challenging. We're doing good financially. We really are, especially uh, given that you know COVID is happening right now but growing is a challenge. You know, buildings are old. A lot of nursing homes were built in the sixties. So you have to think, how are we going to get bigger? How are we going to get a new facility? How are we going to grow? How are we going to open up a new location? And it's a really tough industry in that regard.
0: Joe, I've, I appreciate your patience because I have hammered you with lots of questions re- related to generational issues. Is there... Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think is important that would be helpful to share with the industry or that if you were a 20, 20 year old version of yourself that you're like, man, I wish I would have learned that.
1: I don't know if I have a good answer for that.
0: I think that is a good answer. Knowing what you don't know.
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know this. Sometimes the public knows things before we do. We don't always have the answers. I know that MDH has released public regulation overnight, and that we've had calls from family members the next day before we've even read it. I kind of mentioned it earlier, regulation comes from so many areas, CDC, WHO, CMS, MDH, and we don't always have the answers. We don't. So even when they do release stuff, a lot of times it's quote unquote recommendation. They love that word. And it really irks me because we always have to ask ourselves, do we actually have to do this? Or are we going to get fined or punished if we don't? So we don't always have the answers. And I think that's completely fine. I, I think it is. Sometimes we paid the price for not being on top of stuff. And other times we've done our due diligence and it And been on top of stuff and it's paid off. But there will never be a time where we know everything or that we will never mess up.
0: Thanks, Joe. I like to wrap up the interview with asking you if you were to give your younger self advice based on what you know today, what advice would you give Joe at 19?
1: Mm -hmm. It's kind of been a reoccurring theme this session with you, but putting out those fires, having those tough talks, being more present is the most important thing for me personally, especially given my personality. And I would tell myself to have that confidence and don't be afraid to pick up that phone and don't be afraid to ask questions. People are generally nice and they don't want to upset you or to hold you back. So if you just talk to them and ask questions, they'll help you. And that's something that took me a long time to learn. Well, Joe, I I know that
0: it doesn't have to be a 20-year-old listen to this program. There's going to be 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and even 16-year-olds who have loved to hear your honest answers. Where can listeners find you online if they want to reach out and send you an email or connect with you?
1: I think through the... Prairie Manor Care Center website is probably one of the best ways to talk to our facility. It's got our phone number and an email on there. I'm not, despite my age, too huge on on Twitter or social media, believe it or not. Um, So especially on a professional level, if you want to reach out, that's probably one of the best ways.
0: Great. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Joe, and look forward to staying in touch with you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Been a pleasure.
0: Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by experience.care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.